You guys hear me? Awesome. Move this out of the way. All right. Uh, well, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, allowing me to speak this morning, and uh, it's awesome to be here. As my parents introduced me, um, it's great to uh, have them so close to us. Um, but uh, like they said, my wife and I uh, are uh, have the privilege to serve in the teen ministry in Orange County, and uh, we we absolutely love the teen ministry. We have a lot of fun with those kids, and uh, in Orange County, what's great is we have. Uh, kind of the setup as a youth and family ministry, and so ever since we have come into the teen ministry, we have felt so supported, so loved, so cared for, uh, and backed by not only the teens, but the parents as well, and so we feel so at home in the teen ministry. It's an awesome feeling to just love where God has put you in life, and I feel like Virginia and I, we definitely love where he has, uh, where he has put us. Um, but I do want to share just a little about myself before we dive into our text today. Um, I am a very, uh, or family is huge for me. Me, And this is uh, my family here, both sides actually. Um, June 23rd, 2012, Virginia and I were married. And uh, so we're still a young married couple here. Uh, but as you can see on the right side, that is my family. The left is her family. Um, but I love my family. Um, it is amazing. The, the parents that I have, um, the gentleman on my right is uh, my biological dad in the shades there. Um, but it is just so incredible. I love our family. We have a ton of fun together. Uh, and uh, just our, our family dynamic is great. But it wasn't always like that. Um, I remember, and it's funny, you ever have those times where you look back and there were trouble, and kind of you're older now, and you think, oh, that might have been my fault a little bit. Um, but, uh, and my parents are loving this part. But uh, I think, you know, at times with, uh, you know, when we kind of had a blended, blended family and we came together, at times I was the meaner older brother to my uh, younger brothers. I would uh, boss them around. I would push them around. I would blame things on them, even if they weren't in the room. Uh, but uh, we kind of had, you know, getting started there, we kind of had a rocky friendship. Um, but it's incredible now. I feel like I could not, I could not live without my brothers. I feel like we are so close, uh, myself and Ryan and Sean. And uh, also at times, I know for my sister who's here now, um, she, uh, you know, I was kind of the, the angry, I think, misunderstanding younger brother to her. Uh, I know that I would get easily angered at her very quickly. Uh, but now, again, I feel like it's so awesome. My sister, if you don't know, she is now a resident of uh, South Bay. So she's down here now. Um, but uh, And it's incredible. I think at, at times during our teen years, especially for the kids, we were very focused on ourselves and what we had going on and I was all into music and band and all these things we were very focused on what we had and so we were kind of distant as teenagers but I feel really now that uh, our family is so much closer and uh, like I said about a year and a half ago or so I got to double that family with uh, Virginia's side so family is very very important to me um, but also just personally in my own walk with God there's been ups and downs um, I started studying the Bible actually when I was 12, and uh, I uh, really, looking back on that time, I was doing the right thing seemingly, I was going to church, I was doing all these things that I was supposed to do going to church, but looking back, my heart was so far from God. 
And I can say that confidently now. I was, my heart was not in the right place. And uh, there were times where, you know, I'd be doing all these things for church, but at the same time, I was getting caught up in relationships in the world, or selfishness, or laziness, or self-righteousness, and all of these things, and somehow, some way, it's incredible that God was willing and able to take me through all of that, and like I said, we just feel so uh, lucky. I feel so lucky for the marriage that God has given me, I feel so lucky for the family He's given me, and just to be a part of God's kingdom is incredible. And uh, so that's a little bit about me. It's, it's definitely hasn't been the, the easiest road, but um, I'd like to, as we go through the text here, I'll share a little bit more about our story. Um, but uh, no matter what your story looks like, I know along the way there, it's really cool. There are some of some scriptures or challenges or, or stories in the Bible really catch us. And I know that we kind of are drawn to different scriptures. And today what I wanted to do is go through a text that has been very near and dear to my heart. And really moved me and motivated me um, and really just helped me see God in a different light. And today, if you could open up your Bibles, we're going to be going through Psalm chapter 8. And the title of our lesson this, uh, this morning is, What is Mankind? And this comes from our text. What is Mankind? And in Psalm 8, we'll begin, to, uh, we'll begin by reading this together. And uh, we will read through uh, all nine verses there. So in Psalm 8, in verse 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, ordained praise. Because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I love this psalm. There's so much packed into those nine verses. And uh, the two points that I really want us to focus on for our time here this morning. The two important things to me out of this text is our first point, God's majesty. Just talking and realizing how big and incredibly powerful our God is. And when we realize that, going into our second point, God's majesty but our humility. When we see how big and just great God is, how truly small we are in comparison. And that's what we'll be going through here uh, in Psalm chapter 8. Um, and our first point, God's majesty. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking about this lesson, I was thinking when children are young, there is an age where uh, I think at times uh, when we're young, we can look to our parents and just think they have no struggles, no problems. Um, that our parents are kind of invincible, that they, you know, they just go throughout life and they're super strong and no problems at all, right? Um, and uh, I, I think at that age, they're, they are exactly, our parents are exactly who we want to be and who we want to spend our time with. And uh, I was thinking, you know, if our parents have any special skills or talent about them, they automatically at that age become the best at it. Uh, Virginia's Actually, her father and her grandfather were professional golfers. 
And uh, we were talking recently about how she just, when she was growing up, she thought they were like up there, like ranked the top of the list um, and for professional golf, which to be a pro golfer, you got to be good anyway. So, um, but also I remember my dad, he would tell me stories, uh, my biological father, he would tell me stories as I was growing up of uh, him being a professional musician. And he would tell me all these things that he got into Juilliard. He, you know, was touring with this group. And a lot of those people, I have no idea who they are. But um, he was, you know, touring in the 70s and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I remember he was a part of a, a band called the Weekly Do's. Um, and that was their band. And I have pictures of uh, him with the long hair and the beard and all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I was, uh, I think, in about junior high, he gave me this CD of a live show of their band playing. And I listened to it, and it was awesome. The music was actually really good. I like old stuff anyway. And so I was like, oh, man. And I had this image of my dad being this awesome musician, which he was really good. But come to find out later that that CD that he gave me was made on like a week night at a bowling alley, uh, in a bar at a bowling alley. And so I had like, I had like blown up this image of my dad, like touring and huge staple Center kind of shows. And, um, and here he is giving me a CD of a bowling alley show. Um, but uh, it's amazing that we have that view of our parents. And it's almost in Psalm chapter 8, it's almost as if uh, David is having this view of God. Just taking a second to think about how great and invincible and powerful God is. And I want to break down a couple of these verses here. In verse 1, it says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, some commentators actually can believe that David could have thought back to the times where he was a shepherd of his father's sheep. And he would be out on the hills late at night and he can just look up into the stars and just consider who God his father was. And look up into the stars and think of just how powerful God must have been to create all of those things. And the times really where I remember connecting the most to God is when I get out in God's creation. That I get to kind of get out of the normal everyday life and uh, just appreciate what he has made. I remember as a teen uh, for the church in Reno that we were a part of, we used to take a bunch of camping trips. And uh, I would go with my friends at, late at night down to the rocks by the river there. And uh, we would lay on the rocks and just look up and stare at the stars and pray together. Those were times where I felt really connected with God. I remember a time uh, right after college where I was trying to figure out what, what in the world I was going to do with my life. And I didn't know if I should go here or there or whatever. And so my friend and I were camping on the beach, and um, I think it was, uh, I don't remember what beach it was, but it was in California, and uh, it was really, really foggy, foggy to the point where I couldn't see, uh, I like lost my friend in the process. Uh, we kind of split up, and I didn't know where he was, um, but I was praying to God, okay, God, tell me, what do you want me to do with my life? I felt like that was the, the most powerful prayer of my life at that point. And come to find out, so we, we camp out there, and the next morning we go back to the same spot, no fog, and there is a massive, probably just 50 feet out into the water, there's a massive rock formation. And it just, it blew my mind that that was still there the, the night before. But just the, the mystery of the fog and just the, the power behind God's creation, it's incredible. And we can really truly appreciate the power of God when we look at His creation. Later in the verse, it says, you have set your glory in the heavens. Some other versions say above the heavens. And so it's incredible that, yes, we can look at God's creation, but the earth is uh, nowhere close to the measure of God's power. 
Nowhere even close. I think of Ephesians 3.20 where it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And I know I can imagine some pretty crazy things. I can imagine some pretty grand and powerful things. But God can do even more than anything we can imagine. It's incredible. In verse 2, it says, Through the praise of children and infants, God will be glorified and praised. Uh, this actually, this scripture actually became a reality in Matthew 21, uh, where as Jesus is walking through the temple, children and infants begin to praise Jesus for being the Son of God. And so it's amazing, we have this contrast that on one side, God is able to display His greatness through these grand things, these strong and powerful things. But at the same time, He chooses those things that seem to us like little or small or weak, and He displays His power even through them. And I love the, later in this verse, the, the why behind, why is he displaying his power? To silence the foe and the avenger. God displays his strength to silence Satan. And I love that when, when God speaks and when God creates and when God, you know, compared to God's power, Satan and his fellow adversaries, they have nothing against God. I think of a verse in, uh, I believe it's 1 John. Let me find it on here. In 1 John 4, verse 4, listen to this. It says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. God silences our enemies, silences Satan, and Satan and his fellow adversaries cannot stand against God. I love that. And in verse 3, there we go. It says, uh, when I consider, again, this is David, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have in place. And uh, I love here how David says that the heavens, the moon and the stars are the work of God's fingers. Right. And this is just another thing that he can see God's greatness from the moon, the heaven, the stars. And uh, this uh, picture, and I have more pictures to, to follow this. This picture is from the Hubble Space and, uh, and it's done about five uh, missions to take pictures. It's taken over 500,000 pictures in space. And uh, this, is, uh, this is not paint, a painting or anything. This is a legitimate picture from the Hubble Space Telescope. And uh, I wanted to look up a couple statistics for you just to show how incredible the universe and the galaxies are. Because, again, this is what God has created. Um, statistics. With the naked eye, one can see on a clear night, one can see about 3,000 stars at once. It may not look like you're looking at 3,000 stars, but you can see 3,000 stars at once. Another stat, the universe is so big that if one were to travel at the speed of light from one end to the other, it would take them 40, uh, 40 billion years to cover that distance from one end to another at the speed of light, mind you. Another statistic, according to best estimates, there are about 275 million new stars born every single day. 275 million new stars every day. It's incredible. The universe, uh, our universe is said to contain about 100 billion galaxies. Each of those galaxies, on average, I don't know how they estimate these things, but uh, on average it's said to contain more than a billion stars. So if you add all that, the amount of stars in our universe is 10 billion trillion stars in our universe. It's incredible to consider the power and the majesty of God. 
And at this time, we have a video clip, and uh, it's basically, uh, you know, pulling a bunch of images from the Hubble Space Telescope together, and just the, the images are incredible. And just, uh, you know, sit back, kind of watch this clip, and just consider in this time just the power of God. Let's see if we can cue it up here. <clears throat> Picture is actually a zoom out of galaxies. Every one of those spots were a galaxy. And those pictures, again, those aren't paintings. They look like paintings to me, just thoughts of what could be out there. But those are legitimate images from the Hubble telescope. And uh, this next picture actually was found. It was reported actually just a couple weeks ago. Uh, is uh, from NASA. This was reported, and it's, it's been nicknamed the Hand of God. That this is an image of an exploding star, and you can see kind of the, the fingers there. Actually, it'd be this this hand, <laughs> um, but the thumb and a couple fingers there and people, you know, seeing, seeing that in the stars, pretty cool. Um, but the point of seeing all this, taking it back to what David had said, is that it's almost sarcastic what he says, that this is all the work of God's fingers, not the work of all of his might, not the work of his hands, but just the fingers like, like that. And it was all done. And it's no, almost as if it's nothing for God. And church, I think we need to be convinced of the majesty of our God, of the power of our God, of how big our God is. And I think, thinking back to the way a child views his parents, I think unfortunately, as we get older as kids, sometimes that we, uh, we start to lose that sense of invincibility in our parents. I think at times maybe we, we see them get hurt, see our parents get hurt. At times we... Uh, might see that, uh, you know, just maybe, parents, but maybe we see them make mistakes here and there. Um, or even, I think, even further, that sometimes we can realize, unfortunately, that they may even have the capacity to hurt us. And maybe that some, for some of us, that's all we know about a parent is abandonment or loneliness or pain. But unfortunately, that same tendency as we get older can happen in our walk with God. That as we struggle, as we fight, we begin to question the power of God. We begin to take this God that is so big and make him so small. We even start to question his motives. Why are you doing this? Why aren't you answering this prayer? And we question the power of God. I know for me recently, we've been going through um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, some challenging times, I think, in, in part of our teen ministry. And But it, it's really, uh, it's getting worked out now and everything. But in the moment, we had, uh, a couple months ago, we had three of our uh, teen guy disciples decide that they no longer wanted to be a disciple all within like two months of each other and uh, at that moment I was struggling to be honest I was struggling what in the world God is your plan how in the world are you going to take take these seemingly impossible situations and make something out of it and it can challenge us it can cause us to struggle um, but I think I want to ask you guys how big and I want us to really think how big is your God. This morning, as you sit here, how big is your God? Do you stand and question God? Or do you stand in awe? And I think this needs to be, you know, I want to ask also, how often do you just pray, like David did in Psalm 8, about the majesty of our God? I think something that we can put into practice just this week is challenge yourself to have a prayer time with God and put our questions, our, our, our requests aside and just pray about praising God. What you love about God, where you see His majesty, how you've seen His majesty displayed in your life. 
I think we have to have a lot more prayer times like David does in Psalm 8 about just the power of our God. And what's awesome is, uh, unlike the, the view of our parents there, we never have to lose that invincible view of our God because his this glory, this power never fades away. No matter what we are going through in life, it will never fade away. It's incredible that we get to experience that. Thinking again what David said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Our second point here. So once we realize the majesty of God, we have to see our humility. And uh, we'll read verses uh, 3 and 4 here again. Just to remind us here. In verse 3 it says, When I consider your heavens, the work again of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? And what's incredible is as David was considering the power of God, he also realized something else. How truly small he was in comparison. And that is so important for us to get. And realistically, it's not like we can try to compare ourselves to God, right? We can't accomplish the things he can. We can't achieve the goals and, and the, uh, the dreams and have the plans that God can. And so we can't even come close. But what I love is that David, out of great humility, asks this question when he sees how big God is. He asks, what is mankind? God, why do you care for me? Why do you, if you are so great and so awesome, care for me who is so small and insignificant? And that is such incredible humility. And I think the the part of uh, this song that really hits me is this what is mankind concept. And just uh, part of my story for uh, to fill you guys in. Uh, I don't know if my parents have ever sh- shared this with you. Um, but my uh, my biological parents, my mom and my, my uh, biological dad, they were separated, divorced when I was really young. I don't really remember them uh, being together. I don't really have much memory of that. Um, but for a couple years, my mom was uh, a single mom, an awesome single mom, and uh, to me and my sister. And uh, at that time, you know, we were... Uh, we were just kind of going through our life and everything was was uh, seemed fine and everything. Um, but uh, when I was about four years old, I think um, my mom was invited out to church and she was invited over and over and over and over again. And I think she finally just gave in to the invitation just to get this woman, our neighbor, off of her back. Uh, but she ended up coming and loved it. And uh, I think she was around the age of four. Uh, she was baptized, became a part of the church. And uh, at that point, um, again, everything was was great. And uh, but then a couple years, I think soon after that, she started dating in the church and uh, she started, I think, back in that day, they actually gave her a legitimate list of the eligible uh, guys that were out there. And she would I might be embarrassing her a little bit, but she she kind of literally went down the list, I think. And, and so eventually. <laughs> Dave, now Dave was on that list, luckily, and uh, and so eventually she did go out with Dave, and uh, they were married when I was about seven or eight, and uh, he became my stepdad. And uh, at that time, I really didn't know how to act. I didn't know how to process that. I still had a relationship with uh, my biological dad, and I uh, still called him dad, still saw him. And so this new guy that was supposed to be my father, supposed to be my dad, I didn't know how to respond to that. Um, I At first I, uh, excuse me, uh, 
at first I, I didn't call him dad. I didn't really want to call him dad. I thought that was awkward. Um, and uh, I didn't really uh, want that much of a relationship. Um, and uh, it, it pains me to think about that now. Um, but from the very beginning, ever since they were married, whatever I called him, whatever, however I treated him, um, he treated me like I was his own son. And uh, I can't what that means to me. Um, I think me and my sister both, he treated us, even though he was, we were not his to begin with, he treated us like we were his family, like we were his own children. And uh, I think what, what always struck me is, is that point that we were not his, that he did not have to do that. He did not have to be, um, he did not have to be that great dad that he did, you know, that wasn't his original responsibility, but he went after it. And uh, he's one of the greatest men I know. And uh, I know, uh, you know, all the things they shared about whether it's uh, school, things I've been, you know, been through, things I've done, where I'm at now. I know I would not be here without him. And uh, there's a, uh, I think there's a picture in here somewhere. There we go. That's my uh, college graduation. Um but what we got to see, guys, is that God has done that exact same thing for us. Is that even though we don't deserve it, God cares for us. He is mindful of us, even though we do not deserve an ounce of his love. And we are dirt. We are dust compared to the greatness of God. And unfortunately, when we throw sin into the picture, it becomes even worse. I want us to turn to Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, and we'll read in verses 6 through 8. Excuse me. In verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we are so small and insignificant compared to God, He was willing to send His own Son to suffer and to die for us. Even though we are dirt, even though we are so small. And uh, I think that's something that we have to be moved by. And even though we could stop at the cross, and the cross would have been enough, God still continues to give us more. Back to uh, Psalm 8 in verse 5, it says that he has crowned us with glory and with honor. That God has given us a destiny to be crowned with glory and honor. That is incredible. In verses 6 through 8, kind of the theme through those verses is that he has put his work into our hands. And he has put everything under our feet. It's amazing how much God has given us. His love, the material possessions we have, the cross, the relationships we have within the kingdom. We have been given so much. But I think, unfortunately, there are some pitfalls that we have to watch out for. I think the first pitfall for me is that I can slowly begin to forget that the things that I've been given are actually a gift. And my pride, my pride can creep in 
And I can actually start to believe that I deserve the things that I've been given. And it could be a very scary thing, brothers and sisters, when we allow pride to come into our walk with God. A very dangerous thing. I think when we do that, if we focus on our greatness rather than God's strength, we minimize God. We totally cancel out that whole point about His majesty and all the things we looked at because we are so, we, we hold on for control. And we want to be, uh, the rulers of our own life. And, and, uh, we think, we start to think in our pride, again, even though we are so small, that we may know better. That our way is right. I want to ask you, how do you view yourself before God? How do you view yourself before God? Do you see yourself as David did? As small, as weak in comparison? Or are there hints in there of, I deserve this. I've earned this. And I think it can creep in there so easily that we have to watch out for that. I think another pitfall uh, is that without humility, we start to lose our gratitude when it comes to the things that God has given. And uh, what's, what's crazy, it, it seems crazy, but that along the way, without humility, we start to care about the gifts that God has given us more than the God, the God who gave us those gifts to begin with. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, foolishly, I can even want to hold on to those gifts even when God asks me to sacrifice them, even though he gave them to me to begin with, right? And uh, an analogy I thought of is, uh, think if you were a parent, some of you are parents, so think if, if you were a father and made the best, the coolest toy for your son. And uh, the coolest toy, I think, when I was that age, I, I wanted a Power Wheels, I wanted one of those. Uh, I'm not bitter. I don't think I ever got one, but um, but uh, um, it's not like I can fit in one now or anything. But um, think, you know, if you were a father, you made an incredible gift for your son. And at first, the son is so overjoyed. Dad, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this incredible gift. Thank you so much. But how would you feel as the father if throughout time the son wanted to start playing with a toy, started loving the toy more than you? How would you feel? I think if I were that father, I would think, are you, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I could make you billions of those toys. I can make you so, I can make you even better toys than that. And so as the father, we'd be confused. But how many times do we do that for God or with God? That we start to love and hold on to the things that God has given us more than our love for God. Who gave us those things. Who could give us even so much more. I want to ask you, what have you valued more recently? God or his gifts. I think we have to remember James 1.17. It says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Everything we have comes from God. And we can't lose that humility. Humility allows us to be grateful for what we've been given. His love, the cross, these relationships. Incredible things. And when we're humble enough to realize how small we are, then God becomes so much bigger. We're able to kind of get out of the way, right, and let God work. Let his power work through our lives. And I think we always love to dream and have vision and talk about vision, about how, what God could do in our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our ministries, in our movement. We love vision. We love to talk about that. But I wonder how many times our pride or our selfishness or our arrogance has gotten in the way of God's incredible plans. We have to be humble before our God. 
And it's amazing that when we are humble, God then is able to do amazing things through us. And he's able to use us if we just get ourselves out of the way and accept that he is so big and we are so small. Um, in closing, I want to look back at how David uh, finishes his psalm in verse 9. He finishes it just as he began. Right? He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I love that when, when David was looking at the power of God, it caused him to be even more humble before him, even more grateful. And I encourage us, I challenge us that we can follow in David's example, that we can consider the power of God, how great our God is, not minimize him, not question him in times of trouble or times that we just don't know what's going on, but to see our God is great, to see God's majesty. And then when we see that, that we put ourselves aside, that we're humble before our God so that he can work through us. I think when we're able to say in humility, what is mankind that you are mindful of us? We can then say, as David does in verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. At this time, I'd like to pray for communion, just remembering again in Romans 5, that even though we don't deserve the cross, and even though he gave it to us when we didn't deserve it, while we were still sinners, God, out of that power and his love for us, gave us his son. Let's pray for communion. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for being the powerful God that you are. God, you are our creator. You are the Alpha and the Omega. God, your power is so uh, far beyond our comprehension, God. So far beyond our imagination. And yet, you care about us who are so small, who are so uh, weak compared to you. God, and we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus on the cross, that he was willing to suffer, that he was willing to die for our sin. God, and I pray that we could be so grateful for that gift and as well as the others that you have given us. God, we thank you again for your power, for your love, and for Jesus. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.